First Chronicles chapter 14 and 11. Just stay with me, Tom, just for a moment. I'm going to do my best to get through this message and not, not cry. I feel a little emotional. You know, the older you get, the more emotional you get. <laughs> Sometimes. And, uh, but some things I'm going to be sharing today uh, is really it's, really, it's just really what God's been doing in my heart doing in my life and sometimes when it gets this close and not really wasn't really prepared to do it and I felt like God says now's the time I, um, it's more than a sermon I think is what I'm saying I, I believe there's help in here today I believe there's answers in this place tonight today and I, I, my prayer is that we would not treat this like just another sermon and then you know get to lunch and on to all the stuff we need to do that, that we'd really focus on what God would have to say. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up by reading our opening text that, that we've been using over the last several weeks. The Lord began to challenge me about this verse back in, uh, I believe, November, December. And David said this after a great victory in his life. He says, God has broken through my enemies by my hand. Like the bursting forth of waters, therefore they named that place Baal Perism, meaning Lord of breaking through. Perism, some say Perizim, but Perism is the Lord or master of breakthroughs. Actually, it's plural, not just one breakthrough. How many of you know God's got one more than one way to, to bring breakthrough in your life? It's actually one of God's names. You know, most, most people don't know that about their God, that he is, his, his, his name is, is, is the Lord or master of breakthroughs. In fact, in Micah, speaking of our God, it calls him the breaker. It calls him the one that goes before us, breaking, breaking through. But what I want you to see about this verse is that David, David said that God did this by his hand. So, God did it, but David had to do something. God did it, uh, but David was involved in it. <laughs> uh, the modern-day church, they, they don't, I think I need to be turned down just a little bit, guys. I'm echoing up here. Um, the modern-day church, we don't like to talk about that, but we just, we just think it's all God and, and none of me. But, but David brings a, a real important principle into seeing the Lord, our master of breakthroughs, breaking through in our life, that, that God does his part, but we have to do our part. Uh, because, again, we have a tendency to think that God's just going to do it all. But there was a partnership in this victory here in 1 Chronicles chapter 14. Uh, God needs your involvement. The most frustrating thing is to spend your life in, in church and Christianity serving God and never see God do anything in your life. And for so many of us, we're not seeing God do anything in our life because we just think it's all God. And David is bringing forth a very powerful principle here that, that God does it, but he does it through or by our hand. He does it with our participation. He does it with our involvement. 
God, I need you to financially bless me, but he requires you to do something with something you already have, right? God, I need you to heal me, but he might be saying, but I need you to forgive somebody and then I can heal you. God, God, I need you to, you know, I need you to save my children. And God's saying, I need you to quit posting those nasty posts on social media. There's always something, and sometimes they don't even look like they relate. Hello. And you do your part, and God is able to do his part. Breakthroughs happen in our lives because we respond to God's instructions and directions. What God does, he does with us. And what God does, he does through us. So important. Over the past several weeks, we've been looking about our part in this, in our responsibility to seeing God do the breakthroughs in our life. And it's just been absolutely awesome. My wife's message last week, the week before Rob. Um, but today, I want to continue along that line um, of breakthroughs, but I want to talk about something we may not consider to be our part to really seeing breakthroughs in our life. And I, I, I want to show you what I believe to be one of the most essential keys in our life to seeing God do breakthroughs in our lives. In fact, I believe it is where breakthroughs find their beginnings in our life. Does anybody need a breakthrough? Maybe you don't know what that is. When, when, when the Lord says he's the master of breakthroughs, what, what, what that means is a breakthrough is a sudden advance. That, that's what it means in the, the Hebrew language. It means, it means a dramatic transformation. How, how many of you could use a sudden advance? Come on, in your, in your home, in your life, in your resource. How many of you could use a dramatic transformation? God says, I'm the master. How many of you feel stuck? God, come on, am I just talking to myself? God says, I, I, I can do a sudden advancement in your life. Wow. He's the master at breakthroughs. He is the God of breakthroughs. And I believe one of the most essential keys to breakthroughs in our life is this one word. Humility. And the church rejoiced. And the church got loud. And the church got excited. And the church began to dance. Because who wants to talk about humility? But I want to talk about the importance of humility and its important part in breakthroughs. I, w I want you to hear this point today, I believe what I'm about to say is so hugely important. The greatest activity to breakthroughs in your life is your humility. Humility is an activity. It's, it's something that you have to constantly be active in. But the greatest enemy to breakthroughs in your life is pride. I had someone recently tell me, and this is where it all actually began, probably last October, I had somebody 
tell me, he said, in this season of your life, it's not courage that is needed, but it's humility. I believe that's a word for this church. Because the truth of the matter is, it's going to take great courage to be a person of humility. It's, it's easier to be what we think courage is. But, you know, the, the world's courage and God's courage is two different things. The world's courage is grind it out, you know, make it happen. God's courage is humility. But I love that statement because when I heard that, it went off on the inside of me like a rocket, and I knew that that was a word from God. So recently, I began to once again take another look about what the Bible says about humility for those that have ever been around here very long or in some of our internship and discipleship. I I teach probably a 15-week course on just pride and humility. But how many of you just, how many of you know just because you teach it doesn't mean you're doing it? Woo! Today I want to share a few thoughts that God's been showing me in my study. And I want to begin with 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Notice what Peter says here. He says, be clothed with humility... For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That, that's huge. Grace is God's favor. It's God's ability. It's God's help in your life. In fact, everything that you will ever experience from God in your life comes by the way of his grace. If if we're going to have breakthroughs in our life, it's going to come by the way of his, his grace. And God says he gives grace not to the prideful, but he gives grace, he gives ability, he gives help to the the humble. Let, let me read this out of the English version, verse 5. It says, God opposes proud people. Opposes. He Oppose. In fact, I'm not taking a deep dive into defining all of this. We could do all of that, but, but God has a whole lot to say about pride. He, it's, uh, it's ugly to him. In fact, uh, in fact, he says he holds the prideful afar off, that there's such a stench to him that God doesn't even come close to them. He, he, he actually opposes the proud. It's one thing for the devil to oppose you. It's a whole other thing for God. To oppose you. But what I want you to see there is he gives grace to the, he gives grace, he gives help to the humble. The English version says God opposes proud people, but he, here it is, he helps. They translate the word grace to help. He helps everyone who is, who is humble. Then he goes on in verse 6, Peter says, therefore, therefore, since you're wise, you're smart, you're not an idiot. The obvious answer is get rid of the pride and get some humility so you can get some help and breakthroughs from God. Therefore, humble yourselves. 
Do you know that God is not in the business of making you humble? If you're going to be humble, you're going to have to do it yourself. Now, you can be humiliated, but if you're going to be humble, if you're going to be a humble person, it's going to be because you make the decision to do it yourself. Therefore, the obvious answer is humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may, here it is, exalt, promote, increase, enable you to be a success, bring breakthroughs in your life, exalt you in due time. So, so what I want you to see here is that we have God's part, which is grace, and our part is humility. Humility is the responsibility of the believer. You know what's interesting? This isn't just in one place. I could, in James, James talks about the same thing. I could take you to the book of Proverbs that talks about the same thing. But James says it again in James 4, verse 6 through 7. He says, but, but he gives, God gives more grace, more grace, more help. Therefore, he said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Now, James here kind of helps us in on what it looks like to be a humble person. Humility has to do with submitting to God. It's not really hard. It's, it's God's right and you're wrong. <laughs> he says, submit to God because that's what humility is all about. It's not you having your way. It's God having his way and you agreeing and submitting to his way, even when you don't like it. But see, we read the Bible and we go, well, I don't have to do that. And I don't have to do that. And I know they said I should tithe, but I don't have to do that. I, I'm not. But that's not humility. When God says to forgive, I don't have an option. If I want grace, I've got I to gotta submit to what God is saying to do and get in humility so that I can get his help in my life. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a good day. We're, we're going somewhere and just, just hang on. It's, it's going to get better. So in other words, words God's right, ways are right, his ways. And if our ways are not God's ways, then <laughs> all of our ways are wrong. And again, I, 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 I'm doing my best. don't want to get into all the weeds. Maybe in the weeks ahead, I, I'll really dive and go a deep dive into the subject matter. I think it could be very helpful if we could endure it. Probably the most important subject you could ever hear in your life. In Psalms 119.21, God defines pride as someone who strays from his word. So if you're wanting to know what pride is, it's just somebody who, who strays who strays from his word. Pride is following after what you think, what you feel, and what you desire instead of following after God's word. It, here, here's, here's another place God defines humility. Isaiah 66, verse 2, I think they have this on the screen. It says, the people I treasure most are the humble. They, here, he's going to define it for you. What, 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 what does it mean to be a humble person? They depend only on me and obey my teachings. <laughs> Why is that important? Because when I'm humble, I get grace, I get help, I get breakthrough, I get answers. Life goes better for me. But when I boil up and 
resist and want to do it my way and push against God's ways. That's, that's when we hit the wall and we don't get the help and we, we wonder why we're stuck in life and why it's so difficult. And life is not supposed to be this difficult. And, and maybe that's the mission I'm on today is, is his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Then why is this so difficult in our lives? And maybe it's, maybe it's something we have not even considered. Maybe it is the, the beginnings of breakthroughs in our life that, that when we humble ourselves, we begin to get the help we need. In James 4.10, he goes on to later say, Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he'll exalt you, he'll lift you up and make your life significant. Uh, <laughs> I want the significant part, I just don't want the, the humble part, right? But if you want the significant part, if you want God's part, you got to do the humbling part. Now, I know this isn't going to be something you probably want to hear, but there's probably nothing more helpful that you could hear that would be more, transform, more transformative in your life. So once again, for God's grace and more grace to flow in our lives, for God to do something great in our lives, here's what I'm trying to say. Our part is humility. Our part is humility. Um, I, I, I recently heard, again, this isn't a sermon, okay? It's going to be a little different today. I'm just sharing with you what God's been talking to me, and I believe it's connected to the breakthrough that you need. Uh, I recently heard a, a preacher illustrate this idea of Humility and God's grace. He said it's kind of like a fish flowing downstream and just swimming faster and faster and just having a blast flowing with the current. I mean, life is good. Life is easy. I mean, this fish is having a good time flowing with the current. I mean, he's flapping his gills at all his fish friends as he passes them by, but then all of a sudden, the fish hits a wall, and bam! Wow! What happened? And, and you know what the fish said? Do, do you want to know what the fish said? The fish said, Damn! This is a sore story for so many as people leave the building. I didn't cuss. You said the D word. No, I didn't put an N on it. I said, damn. He hit a... Really, some of you are really slow. Really, really, really slow. Really. This is a story for so many of us. You're experiencing God's grace. Everything is going good. You're swimming in the grace of God. You're experiencing the help, his ability. But all of a sudden, bam, you hit a, you hit a wall. And you're asking, what happened with my life? Where is the help? Where is the flow? So important 
to stay in that humble place because that's the place where you swim in the grace and the current of God. Once you forget your part, the part of humility, you will always hit a wall. I know in my life recently, I've had to confront some realities since we know you're all perfect. I've just had to confront some realities of some ugly pride in my life. Pride is sneaky. Pride is sneaky. It's, it has to do with deception, by the way. It has to do with believing lies and don't want to get real deep. And see, see, you know a temptation. You know what a temptation is, but deception, you don't know. That's the whole definition of being deceived. Is if you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived or you wouldn't be deceived. And the temptation, we know, and I don't care, and we just do it. But when it comes to the whole pride thing, you, you're the last one to kind of to kind of know. It's kind of like bad breath. Everybody else knows. But you're always the last one. And, and so much of the time, we're, we're not slowing down long enough. And, and bam, we hit the wall. Things aren't working like they used to work. Things aren't flowing like they're supposed to flow. The grace isn't isn't flowing in our lives like it should be flowing. And so God took me on a journey, and I begin to study all these. Are you, are you okay? You, can, can, can you put up with 10 more minutes of me? So God began to take me on a journey, and I begin to look at these kings, the kings of Israel in the Bible. There's, there's some 42 of them, by the way. You go to Chronicles and the Book of Kings, and it's just a lot of study. And I begin to look at the kings... It's kind of what I did in my fasting time as we entered into the fasting time in January because part of fasting is the whole purpose of fasting is to to humble yourself. And so I thought, well, I'm going to read through these kings and started reading through the kings, and I was, all 42 of them, and I was shocked. I was shocked at how many of them started out good serving God, but at the end of their life, things went really bad for them. I mean, they started as godly kings, but in the process, they became very ungodly in their, their ways. So many of us could relate to that. We got saved years ago, got fired up, and then maybe we're not as fired up for God like we should be. And as I was studying about these kings over and over again, the issue that took so many of these kings out uh, was this ugly thing called pride. Most of them did not end well. Their lives did not end well because of pride. Most of all 42, most of them did not. They started off as godly men. And they started off good. They started off loving God. But but somewhere in the process, bam, they hit a wall and and pride snuck in, and deception snuck in, and, and their lives just did not end good. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to start good and end bad. I want to 
start good and live good all the days of my life. I, I want to swim in the current where the grace is flowing and the breakthroughs are happening and, and the help is coming. Come on, come. Am I talking to the right church? Maybe I'm in the wrong church. Maybe I'm pastoring the wrong church. Does anybody want the grace of God today? So uh, let me just show you a couple of them that really just stood out to me. And I know most of us would know this King, King Uzziah. You, you could read, read his whole story there in Second Chronicles 26, but let me just give you a snapshot of King Uzziah. He was a great king for 52 years. The Bible says that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, that he sought God, that he was passionate about his relationship with God. And, and because of this, the Bible says that God, uh, that God marvelously helped him. Uh, God prospered him, that God gave him wisdom, and God gave him, his, him great ability. But then something happened at the end of his life, and I want to read it for us here in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. It says, Uzziah provided the entire army with you. He, was, he invented these things. God, God helped him marvelously that he invented a weaponry. And, and he says, Uzziah provided the entire army with shields and spears and helmets and coats of mail and bows and slings and stones. And he built structures on the walls of Jerusalem. I mean, God is using him tremendously. Designed by experts to protect those who shot arrows and hurled large stones from the towers and the corners of the wall. His fame spread far and wide for the Lord, gave him marvelous help. Hello, Grace. And he became very powerful. But when he had become powerful or strong, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. Uzziah. He was marvelously helped by God until he became strong. And when he became strong, the Bible said pride entered into his heart. And that pride led to his destruction. It didn't matter that he was a good king for 52 years of his life. That when pride entered in, then destruction came. And if you read the rest of the story, it's really sad. I'd... Uh, you're depressed already. I don't want to read anymore. But, but, but he lost everything he had. Isn't it just like us to get strong and think we did it ourselves? Really? Really, sir? Really? Ma'am? Like, like, really? You're that good? Look at my house and look at my car and look at my stuff and look at my business. Hello? Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Every destruction in your life finds its way into your life by this sneaky thing called pride. Pride. Wow. That was Uzziah. Um, how about King Asa? How many of you have ever heard of King Asa? Well, let me tell you about King Asa. Just real quickly, we're almost done. Second Chronicles, you can read about him in chapters 14, 15, and 16. He was a king for 41 years. And for 36 years, he was a great king. 
Asa, he, he made godly reforms. He removed all the idols and all the worship, and he restored the altars of God. Asa brought God's people back to seeking God and following God's way. It's, it's a great, great read. In fact, Asa was so serious about, you didn't want to go to Asa's church, I'm telling you. He was so serious about people worshiping God and seeking God that if you refuse to seek God, you know what he'd do with you? He'd just kill you. You were gone. You were dead. And the reason why it was so, so severe is because these were pagan, rebellious, wicked people doing everything evil under the sun. And he says, no, not on my watch. Either we will serve God. <laughs> in fact, he was the one who caught his mom with an idol. It's in the Bible. Crazy idol, too. I don't want to go into that. And you know what he did with his own mom? He removed her throne. He, she, she, he, he kept her from becoming the queen mother. He, he took her reign and rule away. God gave Asa victory after victory over large, powerful enemies because he sought God for help. But Asa, in his 36th year of being king, guess what happened? He decides he doesn't need God anymore. He, he just decides that that, that he doesn't need God's help like he used to. And instead of going to God for help, he begins to seek help from other kings and other ungodly nations. And it's, please hear this, this is powerful. And it's in this context, after all these years of doing good and serving God and passion for God, I mean, some, some 36 years, he he. He, it's in this context that God sends a prophet to him, to King Asa, saying, What are you doing, King Asa? What? God is, God is bewildered. God is shocked. He's saying, Asa, you used to rely on me, but now that you are a mighty king, and now that you have other relationships, you, you really you strategize with them, you're networking with them instead of me for your own victory. God says to him through this prophet, really, Asa, you're going to give these pagan nations your gold and your silver that I gave you to manipulate them so that they will help you in the next battle? God is saying, Asa, that's not how you used to do it. You used to pray. You used to seek my face. You wouldn't miss a Sunday for nothing. That's good preaching right there. Come on, preacher. I need this today. I need some help in my... I need to get back in the flow. Asa, now that you have resources, and now that you have money, and now that you have all these relationships, and it's in that context. You've got to hear this. It's in that context that God says this through the prophet, and I want you to read it with me, 2 Chronicles 16, verses 7 through 8. Tom, you can make your way up here. Just Tom. Make you think we're quitting, but we're not quite there, but we're at a good part. This, this part rocked my world. It's changed me. Here's what God said to the prophet, to this king, who decides all of a sudden, I just don't need God anymore. I don't need his ways anymore. I don't need to do what he need, he's telling me to do. 
Bible says, at that time, the prophet visited King Asa of Judah and said to him, because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God. That's the issue. That's, that's the issue that God had with this king. He stopped relying on God. He said, because you did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. In other words, you will see defeat in your life now. And then God says in verse 8, he's trying to remind him, did not the Cushites and the Libyans have a huge army with chariots and a very large number of horsemen? In fact, if you study the story, there was the, the, that was a million-man army. And, 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 and God used Asa with just 200,000, and he defeated a million strong. How do you do that? It, it, unless you got the breakthrough master on your side. And he says, he says, he says, when you relied on me, I, I handed them over to you. I gave you that victory. Why did you think you did that on your own? And then he says this, We've all heard this verse. Some of you have it on your refrigerators. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Anybody ever heard this verse before? Huh? Can I get an amen? Remember, I'm not preaching. I'm just helping us today. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Now, we don't read the next part. We don't put that on our refrigerators. We always take this verse out of context, but notice the verse doesn't end. He says, in this you have done foolishly, therefore from now on you shall have wars. God says, I was looking, I was looking to, to show myself strong. I was looking to bring about a breakthrough in somebody's life. I was looking for those who were looking for me, but Asa, you stopped looking for me. Now you have chosen foolishly. The Living Translation says, What a fool you have been. From now on you will be at war. If you read the rest of his life, it's going to get better. Just hang on, I'm, I'm going somewhere. But sometimes you just need to be sobered a little bit. Say, Randy, is that happening in your life? It seemed like the flow is not there, and bam, you just hit another wall, and bam, you just hit another wall, and bam, you just hit another. Maybe there's something going on here that you need to take note of. Maybe, maybe you need to be nicer to your wife. God, does it really take all that? Yeah. Yeah, he says, he says if I don't treat my wife right, he don't even hear my prayers. Bam, bam, bam. Why aren't things going right in my life? Maybe it's your bitterness. Maybe it's your offense. Maybe it's your hatred, and it's, it's causing you to go, bam, bam. You started off good. You was willing to do whatever God said to do. I'm just trying to help people get breakthroughs in their life today. Really? You're going to hang on to the offense? You're going to hang on to the bitterness? You're going to hang on to the judgment and miss out on the grace of God because you want to be right? While you're trying to be right, you're bam, bam. It's just not going the way it should be going. For him, 
God says, I was looking to show myself strong. Mm. I, I was looking to bring about another breakthrough. What's shocking about Asa is he doesn't repent. God tells him then this, just like some of you today. Oh, yeah, let's get on with life. You're not going to do anything with what I'm talking about. And that's what God, God said, I, I was wanting to do something big in your life, but really you're just going to, and he ignores it. He ignores, and, and he ends up getting a disease in his feet and he wouldn't repent and doesn't want to get things right with God. He ends up spending all of his money on doctors trying to get, get healed. And, man, the guy just eventually dies. This isn't a sermon. This is real life stories. Started out right, but ended so, so wrong. What makes you think that that cannot be you? What makes us think that that could not be this church? We started out so good. But are we going to finish strong? Will we have the grace of God, the favor of God, the ability of God? Are, are, are we going to be humble enough to let God to do something great in our lives? Are we going to be the people that God is looking to show himself strong? And because our hearts are, are so loyal to him, we catch his gaze and he's able to bring breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. He dies and his story ends like that. God is saying, Asa, you grew strong. You became proud. You didn't need me anymore. And for Asa, it all ends bad. For 35 years, he's killing it. I was thinking about this because this church is just a little bit over 30 years. Bless God, we're not going to only start strong. We're ending strong. That, that's why it's personal. That, that's why it means so much to me. I don't want to be the casualty in life where, where I started out for God and sold out for God and whatever God wanted me to do. I said, yes, yes, yes. But because now I got a car and a house and a little bit of money, I don't need you, God. No. I got to find that place of humility. I got I to bow my knee to the Lord of Lords and got to continue to say, Lord, it's not my will, but your will be done. It's not my ways, but it's your ways. Thirty-five years, he's, he's killing it. But in the 36th year, he starts relying on other things. You know what's funny about that? Not really funny. But in the modern-day church, we wouldn't even call that sin. He, he just stopped. God, I'm too busy. I'm Tuesday night. Who wants to go to that? I'm busy, Lord. God, I'll give you one Sunday here and there. Don't look at me that way. I don't really need to give. I don't really need to forgive. I don't really need to love. Because I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I can do what I want. And then we're wondering why we're, bam. And we preach about a breakthrough, God, but we never experience a breakthrough. God, I, <laughs> I got to 
God says, I'm looking to show myself strong. I, I have help. I have breakthroughs. But I can't do it if you're not looking for me. If you're not going to rely on me, remember I give grace to the humble. Do you rely on God? When it comes to our church, are we... I mean, who really does that anymore? Let's just be honest. I, I was thinking about Elijah. Just a couple more minutes. I feel God in this. I, I need to get this out. I need to get this into the DNA of celebration today as we move forward. Who, who does that where you totally sell out, rely for God? I mean, where is that church? Where, where are those people? I think about Elijah. He's... he's, he's uh, He's on Mount Carmel and got all these prophets of Baal trying to, they said, okay, the real God, the true God is going to answer by fire, right? You remember the story? And so the, the prophets of Baal, they're trying to call down fire from heaven. They spend all day long and, and Elijah's mocking them because they can't get their false God to show up by fire. But see, Elijah so relied on his God that he knew the power and ability of his God who, oh God help me to get there he's mocking their gods they can't produce fire all day long he's saying maybe your, your gods are taking a bathroom break he's just, he's just going to task and finally they're exhausted and they're done their God will not answer by fire and, and Elijah Elijah before he prays he has them he has them pour water on the wood <laughs> Who does that? A person that, that knows how big their God is, who relies on their God. He, he says, I'm going to show you that my God can do the impossible. You were trying to get dry wood to burn. I'm going to show you how my God can cause wet wood to burn. does that? I mean, come on. If it was us, we'd be sneaking in a can of gasoline. I'd have to take up smoking just to kind of fool the crowd. It's true. Maybe if I can manipulate with a little gold dust, some feathers. Where, where is the God? of supernatural and miracles, a, a God that can do the impossible, a strong God. He, he, he's waiting on a people who completely rely on Him. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm wrapping up. I'm online. I'm, the neat part about lying is you just click off. Here, i got to watch you walk out. We could talk about King Jehoram right? You ever read about him? The only thing it said that when he died, he died to no one's regret. How would you like to be that guy? He died to no one's regret. L let me close with King Manasseh because I believe this helps us navigate forward. 
It's kind of the opposite with him. He was king for 55 years. He was an awful king. He was a horrible king. He was terrible. He made the people miserable. I mean, I can't even, it's, it's, it's beyond R-rated. It was horrific what this king did to the people. The Bible says that he did more evil than all the other pagan nations together. But Manasseh, at the end of his life, he repents. He turns to God. He humbles himself. And guess what happens? After, after 55 years of rebellion and wickedness and evil, he repents. And God forgives him and gives him grace. Verse 12 of 2 Chronicles, it says, But while in deep distress Manasseh sought the Lord his God and sincerely, hello there, that's what we're talking about. You could choose to do it at any time. You, can, you may have started off bad. It's okay. You can still end right, and you can end good. All God is looking for is humility, whether you do it now or you do it later. And when you do it, all of a sudden, life gets better. The grace of God, the ability of God, the breakthroughs of God, and said he humbled himself before the God of his ancestors and when he prayed the Lord listened to him and was moved by his request wow crazy after all those years awful king evil king don't even read the story you'd be shocked he comes to the end of his life and he says I'm wrong I'm wrong, and he humbles himself, so he turns to God, and God does what God always does. God shows grace to anybody that'll humble their heart. Here, here's my point, if you're waiting for the point today, I wanna to send you home with this point. Here it is, the humble will get God's help. The humble will get God's breakthroughs. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that, that, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I've read this a lot of times, but I've never really paid attention to what God called His throne. Oh, I, I, I've read it, but I've really never paid attention. Because when I think of the throne room of God, I, I think of Isaiah seeing the throne and the angels and the smoke and the fire and, and, and revelations, the thunderings and the lightnings and, and, and this holy and, 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 the, and the creatures are covering their heads because they can't look at God. It's the throne room of God. And that's what, when I see the throne, that's what I think of. I think about the, the power and the magnitude of God. But, but notice here he says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Grace. His throne has a name. <laughs> His throne is called 
It's called grace. I mean, here's how you'll understand it. If you was to go out today and, you know, you, you, you run into a restaurant that's called the House of Tacos, right? The House of Tacos. You don't wonder what they're serving. I mean, would it, go, would it be foolish to go up there and say, hey, by the way, do you serve any tacos here? guys say, you're an idiot. That's the name of our restaurant. When you come before the throne, he's not serving judgment. He's not serving condemnation. Our God, when you humble yourself, when when you go low and you submit you're, you're not going to get judgment. You're not going to get condemnation. You're not going to get God pushing you off. When you come humbly before the throne, you know what you get? You get grace. That's God's help. That's God's breakthrough. That's what we need. Come on, stand to your feet. That's what we need. How are we going to see breakthroughs in our lives? How's life going to get easier for us? called the current of grace current of grace I want in it I don't know about you I, I want I want in it how many of you want in the current of grace and the, the flow pride's a sneaky thing Pride makes excuses. Pride's an arguer. Pride blames. Pride's a big liar. And when you're confronted with those things in your life that you've been deceived with, and you realize, wow, that's the thing that keeps enabling me to boom. When you begin to realize that, you know, you just, you don't want it in your life. You just don't want it in your, I don't want anything in my life that keeps me from the help and the grace of God. And our part, our part is humility. God's part is the breakthroughs. Why are you arguing with this person? Randy, it's pride. Randy, why why did you stretch the truth? Why didn't why weren't you honest? Randy, it's Randy, why why are you blaming them? I'll never forget several weeks ago. God says, Can you just keep your mouth shut and be falsely accused? My master was, my savior was, he was falsely accused, never did anything wrong, and yet he never defended himself once. 
But that's not us. No, we're going to post it. We're going to go online. And I'm just telling us, hey, this could be the reason why the the flow is not there and the miracles are not there because God's looking to show himself strong, but he can't find anybody looking for them, for him, because they're just caught up with deception and pride and arrogance and bitterness and and I'm here to tell you we can get rid of it today because he's got a throne of grace and God can help us and we can start we can start a come on today's our day I said today is our day I don't know if you're ready for this, but I'm telling you, in January, I was so ready for this. God, I'm broken. God, I'm hurting. See, you, you, you don't know, you, you don't know, and you don't need to know. I'm just trying to be vulnerable enough to you to say, hey, maybe if the preacher has some issues, maybe I need to find a new church, or maybe you need to. Good God. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. I, I never I never thought about what I was going to do here, what I was going to plan. I'm not here to expose. I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to say, hey, this is a bigger deal. If, if you're a student of the Bible, it's a bigger deal than what you would think. And, 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 and to say you don't have any pride is just complete arrogance because the Bible says pride is the very nature of the flesh. And that means every day that you breathe, you will have to contend with the pride that wants to sneak up in your life. And I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to hit the, the wall anymore. I don't want to keep hitting the wall. So right where you're at, would you just close your eyes, bow your heads. Father, I pray today. Pray for this church. Pray for our lives. God, forgive us. Forgive us of the pride of our hearts. God, where we have chosen to do it our way and not your way, where we didn't need you, Lord, where you've blessed us and we've become more independent, God, forgive us. God, as a church, God, we humble ourselves. We need your help. We come to the throne. God, we need grace. God, we don't want to get into this thing 30 years down the road and, and miss the next 30 years because we were full of pride. And look at us and look what we've done and look where we've come from. God, we humble ourselves today and we just simply ask you to forgive us of the pride of our hearts. Forgive us, Lord, and help us. God, help us to finish strong. Help us to finish right. Help our marriages. Help our marriages to finish right. Help our families to finish strong. God, I pray for an anointing and a covering and a grace to come upon this church today like none other because of this posture and this prayer of repentance today. God, we, 
we draw a line in the sand today and we we repent, God. Even, God, even the pride that we're not even recognizing, the, even the pride that we don't even see in our... God, help us to see the pride in our own hearts and our own lives. God, we'll change it. We'll make the corrections. We repent today. God, I just pray for this church that we would be a people. There not be one casualty. God, that every person in this room, all those online, God we would finish right. Again, that our homes would finish right, that our marriages would finish right, that God, you would show yourself strong and that we would see breakthroughs and help and breakthroughs and help and breakthroughs and help and that God, life would be fun and life would be easy. Life would be joyful for your yoke is easy and your burden is light. God, help us today. Help us today to live the life that you have for us. In Jesus' name, lift your hands to heaven. Do it today, Lord. Do it today, Lord. I will make room. Do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want to. I will make room. I will make room for you. Do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want to. Yes, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, do whatever you want to, and I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want to. I got to remind somebody here today, God's not serving judgment. He's not condemning. His mercy endures forever. And it's new every day. I'm just... I'm just bringing to our attention that's God's part. But our part is to come before the throne and say, God, I need your help. I don't care how good you have it. I don't care what you have in the bank. You still need to come to the throne of grace. I don't care how good your marriage is, how good your kids are, how great your church is. You still got to come to the throne. I don't care how good your business is, how good your job is. I don't care what your retirement is. You still got to come to the throne of grace. He's serving grace. What he's called it. It's his name. Today we... Make that, 
we draw that line in the sand today and say, God, this is the church we're going to be. With every breakthrough, with every blessing, we just get more passionate about our Lord. Amen? Wow. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Woo! Hey, if, if, if you do this right, you only have to pay for counseling. You come right here, have all the tears. Some of you are paying way too much for counseling. You're not even doing it. If you just did what we talked about here, life would be... Okay, before anybody leaves, come on, before anybody leaves, there's some truth in that, by the way. Just bow your heads. I'm going to let you go here. Man, I didn't expect to do any of that. today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus before we leave today I want to give you an opportunity to do that the Bible says all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved if you've never surrendered your life or perhaps you have but you're not your life is not being lived for him right now and you want to make that correction you want to make that adjustment I think we know who we're talking to today. If God's drawing you by his spirit and you know that you're not right with God and you want to be right with God, you want to know where you'd spend eternity if you was to die right now as I look all over this congregation. If that's you and you need and want a relationship with Jesus, you need to repent, you need to come back to God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand all over this auditorium while believers are praying? Raise it high, leave it high so I can see it today. Hands all over this building hands all over this building. You can put your hands down. Just pray this prayer with me. It's not repeating a prayer. It's meaning a prayer. It says, all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Father, forgive me today. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe he rose back up from the grave and now offers me the free gift of eternal life. I receive that today. Jesus be my Lord. Jesus be my Savior. Father God, from this day forward, with your help, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.